The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. She would wait for me to come home and apply the board. Yeah. I say, they disobeyed you. Why don't you do it? Why you wait? Why you want to be the bad guy? We don't want dad to come home guy. then, you know. Home, so we had, a, we had a few discussions over yeah. this parenting, you know. But, but what I said was right, of course. <laughs> Coming up, James and Betty are celebrating their 53rd wedding anniversary, and Sheila Walsh asks them to share their experiences and wisdom in raising a family. You're raising a monster, and you, it's not going to work. studio audience it's been an amazing week as we've talked to James and Betty Robertson about 53 years of marriage which is really I mean what a legacy what a legacy to pass on to your children and your grandchildren I do believe you have one little great-grandson mm -hmm. I mean that is such a standard <laughs> of security to pass to a family but one of the things I wanted us to talk about which I have discovered for many of my friends and also in my own marriage, is when you don't handle money well, that can be such, um, I mean, for many people, they say that's why we divorced. You know, the, the financial trouble caused us to fall apart. And when I was reading parts of your book out to Barry, and I was saying, don't you wish we'd read this years ago? <laughs> and he was like, absolutely. Um, talk to us about how you have approached handling money within your marriage. Well, Betty was too nervous to even write a check when we first got married. She wouldn't make a long-distance phone call. That was complicated. Many men pray for that. And you know, you know here's, well, yeah, that's true. Here, here's the thing. She is now the one who manages all of our finances. She's the tech expert in the family. Somebody complimented me on the phone today about, you're a tech guy. And Betty started dying laughing because it was on speakerphone and said, oh, this is really funny because she has to tell me how to turn on everything, how to navigate on my iPad and my iPhone. So remarkable, but when we started out, I mean, we made $6,000 the first year we were married. That's combined income, and she produced most of it, because I was a preacher, and uh, she had a job. And <laughs> preachers, I always said, they'd tell me, well, maybe the next church down the road will take care of you. I'd say, I thought this was down the road. <laughs> but anyway, somewhere they'll take care of you. But you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have much. And, uh, but here's what we did. We determined we would live below our means. Below your means. Below our means, which meant that we lived in a 10 by 50. Betty says, don't call it a mobile home. It was a trailer. <laughs> it was 10, I'm not exaggerating, wasn't a 14 footer, wasn't a 16 footer, wasn't a double wide, it was 10 feet wide. Now you could barely get a king size bed in the only bedroom. Now when you're first married, that ain't a bad deal. <laughs> you just walk in, all bed, we're good. Now, here's the deal, we had nothing but we live below our means. We were told by Reverend Hale that we had to establish credit. And we said, how do you do that? Because we're gonna pay cash if we buy a television or a washing machine. We'd never dream of having a dishwasher. If we didn't have the cash, we didn't get it. No, that was so, that's how we were gonna mm -hmm. do it. We just simply wouldn't have it, furniture, anything. <laughs> so, matter of fact, when we first rented an apartment, which we finally did rent a small apartment, we said, why don't we buy the furniture then on credit and establish credit, even though we've saved enough, we can pay for it, 
but why don't we, rather than paying for a furnished place and paying for their furniture, why don't we pay for ours and do that on credit, and we'll pay it off real quick. He said, that's great. That will work to establish credit, because we could have just bought it, but we had to get the credit established. Didn't understand all that. You know, today, everybody wants you to have it so they can get you have a whole lot. Now, here's what happened. When we first got a credit card, we would sit and look at it. We just thought, this is amazing. This, you can go in and buy something with this. But here's the deal, this, this little couple. We thought that was a plastic check, that when you bought on it, it was that month. Now, think about this. You may say you are not very bright. Oh, I think you're brilliant. Well, I'm telling you, our daughter is engaged to her husband, Terry, who's brilliant, and the father of those four kids, now grandkids himself, one at least now. And the thing about it is, he told us that all the kids at Baylor were in huge debt. I said, where? Credit card debt. What? What do you mean credit card debt? You pay that debt. You don't have to pay at the end of the month. You can run it out for months. They got thousands of dollars. And I said, you do that with a credit card. Now, understand, <laughs> our daughter's 20 years old before we understand that you can run that up. Something wonderful had happened to us about living not on credit, and it is marvelous how much money you save when you don't pay interest. It is wonderful what you can do. I opted out of Social Security when I'm 18. I said, it's a bad idea. I want to be able to take whatever I have and make my own investments. Think about this, I'm an 18-year-old kid, never had a dad, never had a home, but I had a father in heaven who knew more than some people know. Wow. So we began to think that way. And it has been a miracle journey. And it's really been good because back then, you know, we, we thought something we thought we might need, you know, we found out we didn't need it so much when we didn't have the cash to pay for it. It was something we could wait on and plan on. We needed to get the things that, we, that were a must. Okay, so here's what I want to ask you. Um, when you're making 6000 a year between the two of you, it's easy to think, um, okay, this is what we have so we won't buy. But then life moves on and God blesses you a little bit more and you have more. And one of the things that, one of the mistakes my husband and I made was, well, if we're making more, then we should have slightly more of a house. And I think there's a pattern in America where we think the more we have, the more we should have, as opposed to the lessons that you have learned about continuing to live below your means. I mean, there's not a person watching right now who thinks, where have you been all my life? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much wisdom there about the freedom that comes from not well, being in debt. Our pastor's been preaching that. Now, you think about this. We've got a church, Gateway, that's just over 15 years old. And a, one of my little boys pastors, it, so to speak. <laughs> and he began teaching people first things first and the blessed life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't even think about what's coming back. Think about what the gift does. And that means that you put God first you live below your means. You think about how you can bless others, not how you can do and get. There's something marvelous about that. There's something very biblical about that. So I suggest people consider that. You, you make a very interesting distinction in the book between training, something else, and something else that I wrote tell down. Them, and tell them and you can tell them loud. If you, if you shout at your kids, you'll rear a bunch of shouters. They won't respond until you do shout. If, if they don't have to do it till you get angry, you're teaching them not to move till you're angry. You're training the child to do that rather than training to respond to a soft voice. Our children learned with this loud mouth dad when I finally got it from God that if I said, don't do that, 
That was all it took. The amazing thing was our grandchildren would come. And I said, don't do that. Well, when Papa said, don't do that, you don't do that. It didn't, you didn't need to get your list and start begging and go, we're not going to have a little uh, session here of discussion. We're not doing that. Now, as they got older, if they say, but what about this? And, and then they would begin to kind of bring their ideas, say, well, is this not reasonable? And when you see they're bringing a reasonable deal, you discuss it with them. But what we did is we trained a child to respond to the word, which God wants all of us to respond to his word, not to our anger, not to our shouting, not to say, one, you better do that. I'm giving you the three. Two, I mean it. You realize I mean this? Two and a, and a half. And you better not let me get the three. You're training that kid to ignore your word, to wait for your threats, and you're really, you're raising a monster. And you, it's not going to work. We did not have to say, Robin, we just talked about in the last program how joyful and happy she was. I don't even remember. Now, Rhonda, our oldest child, she remembers I got that wooden spoon applied to the seat of education continually, <laughs> but I didn't do it. And she'd go, you know, she was, she was the first one, and we didn't know what we, we were doing. We didn't know doing. what we were doing. <laughs> Practice on the first yeah. one. We had to make up for lost time with Rhonda. I mean, it would, it, but we didn't even have to have those disciplines for Robin. She caught on. She saw what Randy was doing. Randy was pretty tricky. He would come in, he knew he was going to get, he's going to get, so he'd go in there, and he'd just kneel down and lean over the bed and wait for a little spike. And then you see, he's just so humble. He's so sweet. You know, he's just clever. That's what he was. He's clever. Get kind of manipulative. They get smart. But the point is, they learned, and then we watched our grandchildren learn to respond that way. It has been a beautiful thing. Well, to watch. and I think one one thing that's really key is that don't let your children figure out that they can play the parents against one another. He let them know, and I, I would tend to, you know, probably be the weak one as far as the discipline came. I, I, he helped me a whole lot. He really did. But um, she would wait for me to come home and apply the board. Yeah. I say they disobeyed you. Why don't you do it? Why you wait? Why you want me the bad guy? They don't want dad to come home guy. then. You know. Home, so we had we had a few discussions over yeah. this parenting. You know. But, but what I said was right, of course. <laughs> I said about humility in that last show. <laughs> Forget it. He told our children, just really when they were young, do not, if your mother has told you you can't do something, don't come ask me then. You See, know, I love that. Like, then you're presenting a united yeah, front. Yeah. And children shouldn't be able to come in between that. Yeah. Now, I want to move on in this last section um, to something that, honestly, as a mom, I think is every parent's nightmare. And that is the loss of a child. And I remember hearing when, you know, when Robin was sick and then when Robin went home to Jesus. And I thought, I can't even begin to go there as a mom. And I wondered, some of the people who wrote to me on Facebook said, would you ask them how they survived that and how that impacted their faith and how that impacted the way they pray? Mm. Hard question to ask, but I wonder if you could speak to that. Well, as a mother, and, you know, I feel like mothers probably get more of the attention when there's a child that's lost. But I want you to know this, this dad loved his little girl, and he hurt deeply over her, just as I did. But, but a man responds differently than a woman does. And when, when this came, even though, you know, she'd been ill for quite a while, you kind of, you still have hope in your heart, you know, you don't give up. And she always said, I win, mother. And you know, she did. She didn't win the way we would have liked her to win here on earth, but she's perfectly healthy now and she's happy. And she's with the Lord Jesus and we're gonna see her again someday. But when this journey hit us, which we didn't ask for, 
But sometimes, and, and if you live very long, you're going to go through a journey that you didn't ask for by any means, mm -hmm. especially the loss of a loved one or a child. And I just, I mean, I, I'm so thankful for my relationship with God. I, I don't see how parents that don't have God at the center of their life, how you make it because it's tough enough when you have God in the center. But I can say this, my relationship with God has grown. I can't even describe it. God is bigger than I ever imagined him to be because every time I was on my face weeping, every time I was screaming and saying, why, or it's not fair, God was right there holding me and said, it's gonna be okay. You're going to get through this, and God, I'm going to use this experience to bless and to bring good because what you learned from this, you're going to be able to share with others, and you're going to understand what they're going through. You know, when we go to the mission field, and I would see that these mothers had lost their precious little ones. I tried so hard to have the compassion that a Christian would have for that, and I, but yet I couldn't understand completely. Well, now I understand. They lose, they lose more than one most of the time. But even one, is, it's a crushing to the heart. But every day when I would get up off my face, God was there with me and walking me through that day. And the fact that our relationship was centered around God, we could lean on one another. We weep together. We still weep. We will never get over it, but we live through it. And we're on a journey of healing. And God is bringing remarkable healing in our lives. And that, like we said earlier, we laugh about the things that we remember about Robin. She was so precious. She wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. But we like to think our children are perfect, you know, all of them. We have, such, we have two other just wonderful children. And that was one thing God reminded me of. You've lost Robin for this moment, for this time in life, but you have two other beautiful children that have beautiful families, and you need to rejoice over that and live life to its fullest. That is such a word, Betty, because I think sometimes when a child is lost, the parents are so engulfed in grief for that child, understandably, that the children who, are, who, who survive often are felt feel like they're less than, that they're not loved as much anymore, that they've lost their parent as well as a, right. a sibling. But I have to say, I have noticed in both of you, and I'll speak to this just because you're my sister, mm -hmm. Betty, there's a, I mean, you've always been amazing. You've always been kind and beautiful, but there's a strength. Something is rising up in you that I see, and I think only God could redeem the pain and transform it into making you the kind of strong woman who's going to be able to minister to so many other women. Well, you know, there was one point, there has been one point through this journey that God brought me to that I, when I would be weeping, it, I, I could sense in my spirit that he turned those tears from personal tears for the loss that I was experiencing to the loss that others are experiencing. And I wept, I began to weep for others that were so heartbroken. And I think that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to turn our focus to those others that are hurting and in need. And sometimes hurt and loss brings, uh, it paralyzes you and God says, there's so much more that I want to show you and I want to give you and I want you to share with others. And when you have you know. lost, you're so vulnerable. And I'm thinking of all the people's lives that have been impacted. You know, the mothers who've lost children. Um, and the fact that at their most vulnerable life reaches out and says, you know, we care about you. Um, 
we, you know what I love about life? You have enabled every one of us in this audience and at home to become a missionary from our own living room. That's you know what, amazing. What's happened with, with us in this journey? Uh, I've preached on freedom and being set free, Jesus coming to set the captives free, but that first verse in that announcement starts with he came to bind up the broken heart. And it's become even more important to us to bind up the broken hearts of people around the world. And just in the last week, Robin's oldest son, who gave the greatest message you could ever hear at his mom's funeral, uh, where Pastor Willie George walked up after said, never in my life have I ever witnessed anything like this, all three children speaking with mom down front. And this last week, Chris got engaged and Robin was known as the greatest party giver on the planet for the church, for the football team, for the cheerleaders, for all the kids. She just loved, she'd go up and do stuff for the teachers. So the fact that she'd be planning a wedding and she's not. And I told this to Betty today as we were thinking about our anniversary and now another grandchild getting engaged and thinking about because we were looking at pictures of Chris down on his knees with candles all around him out in their first backyard because Kenny redid the first home they lived in where the kids were born. And there he is on his knees with candles and decorations all around him proposing this beautiful girl in their church that's in the praise team. And we could just see Robin standing there. And I told her today, I said, you think she wouldn't be laying out all the plans for this incredible wedding? And I said, but Betty, she sees it all. That's right. And she wouldn't come back. And so help me, Kenny said that to me the last time I talked to him, after he talked about Robin and the joy. She wouldn't come back. And so what I say to everybody listening and watching, don't miss what he's prepared for you. Don't miss what you can experience in him right here, in Christ, not in religion, in relationship. Don't miss what he's preparing for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, bow your head right where you are and say, Jesus, I want that love. I want that life. I want that relationship. I want the forgiveness and the joy that only you can give. I receive you as my life. Thank you, Jesus. I'd love for you to call and just tell someone you just prayed. I'd love to send you the book, Knowing God as Father, just to bless you. And Sheila, I know this is our last time to talk about our journey together that continues, but you're such a joy to us and such a part of our team. We're so glad you're here. And this is the last week of our mission feeding. So I just want to ask all of our viewers, if they would, please, I want you just to look in and see a, and hear a mother's heart and hear the needs. And then I want you to respond the way God tells you to. Would you do that? Just watch. Just a few minutes ago, we rolled into this village, a very small village. I asked how many lived in this village in an estimate of over 500 people. Then we asked any women that had lost a child to come over. And here they are. This group of women have lost over 150 children. It's not a club you want to be in. It's just not right. They died because they didn't have enough food. Nowhere in our world today 
should women expect to lose a child to malnutrition for lack of food? I just went past each one of these ladies and asked them individually to show me how many babies they've lost. To lose one child would devastate you for life. But these women together have lost 150, many five, many over five. I went one by one and looked each woman in their eye and held the fingers of the number of children they lost. And I said, please heal them, Lord, and please don't let another child die in this village. She's lost eight children. I mean, can you see in her eyes? We, as a body of believers, are for justice. And part of justice is making things like this stop, making the death cycle in a village like this stop. And if we have in our ability to change something, we should do it. We must do it and be a part of making this cycle end. Oh, Janice, I know you're watching the program. That was Janice that was... Uh holding that lady's fingers, representing babies. The way Janice held her hand was, was tender and caring that I somehow identify with the pain. And we want to stop the cycle. And Betty, we've been able to stop the cycle in so many areas miraculously. The thing you need to understand is it's been more than 25 years that we have been reaching out. Many of the children whose lives we save are now leaders in a community. They are teachers, some of them are professors. And many of them are in some form of law enforcement for their own nation and country. And we have seen nations totally transformed by the power of love. One of the uh, examples is Mozambique. A miracle took place there. And I'm talking a big miracle. And you are the reason that that took place. The African government, uh, every one of them have reported to us that you have saved millions of our children's lives. So who did that? God did that through people who wanted to reach out in love and Betty, I'm believing that every single viewer this last week right now of Mission Feeding, this particular emphasis, that every viewer will help and I believe make the gift so we can share life and food with these children. James, our friends have been so faithful. You really have. You've really come up and filled the need with your love, your support, and we thank you so very much. This is important. These children don't have to die because of lack of food. We can help these mothers. Can you imagine losing eight children? I, one, I, we've lost one, and it's so heartbreaking. But I can't even imagine the burden that that mother carries. And could be others dying if we can't reach out and help them with the food. So please join us. Let's, let's make the difference in the lives of these mothers to see their children smile. You know what it's like to have a child to smile, at, smile back at you. Well, I believe the miracle is going to occur. This is the last week now of our emphasis. And we've got 400,000 children that are now organized in areas where we can feed them. The missionaries and the relief workers are there. We are the ones that give them the food to distribute. Would you right now please go to lifetoday.org or dial the number there. People are calling today asking throughout the program to pray for their marriage, to pray for someone in their family, and rightly so. And that call is paid for by love. Well, would you also call right now to say, I want to make a gift or go online? A gift of $30, 50 or $100. We can feed three, five, or 10 children 
for the next several months. But a group of our friends have said they will match what you give to care for 50,000 children, which means that what you give will be double. 30, 50, 100 will feed 6, 10, or 20 now. So it actually doubles in its effect. We want to send you to say thank you. Sheila Walsh was kind enough to comment on how she thought the book would bless you. We will send the book Living in Love to help you live in the power of God's love and in your relationship and find encouraging words for you and perhaps someone else you want to share it with. We'll send that just to say thank you for any gift. We also have the beautiful bronze for those of you who will reach out with a gift of $1,000 to now not just care for 100 children, but now for 200. So whatever God puts on your heart, please make that gift in love. Lifetoday.org or dial the number there on the screen and let us know what you're sending if you write a check made to life. Thank you for doing it. In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering. Crops have failed. There is no food. And those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that with your help will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time. To help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture featuring a beautiful buck in regal stance, reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. This is the last week. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life-saving double impact gift today. You know, as we were just now waiting for you to have your response, so just kind of a, a real circle of concern and prayer for you and your family and in your nation, wherever you are. And we just really been praying and calling the church together like the remnant to pray for awakening. And so Betty and I want to say thanks and you just need to know you really prayed for just in that little break while you were perhaps calling or giving, please do. And we'd be glad to send you living in love. Sheila, we really do thank you for talking to us this week. And I just want to say on behalf of all our viewers and our studio audience, Thank you for the beauty of 53 years of marriage that has left a path for all of us. Thank you for your life, for your ministry. And as one of our audience said recently, and it's not over yet, there's a lot of great stuff still to come. Let's thank James and Betty. <laughs> thank you, Sheila. Thank all of you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Very much.
Next week, James and Betty team up with author and pastor Robert Morris and Bible teacher Beth Moore to help you live life fully alive. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.